Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you had a great weekend. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this program, reminder, you can always follow me on social media, E.W. Erickson, whether it's Twitter or Spotify or Apple Music or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, it's E.W. Erickson. I guess I should trademark it. I don't know. Anyway. Hope you had a good weekend. I, I want to start with the thing everybody's been talking about. Over the weekend, lots and lots and lots of, of growing buzz, complaining and the like about Joe Rogan. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, and by now you've probably all heard his name, but for those who are unfamiliar, Joe Rogan has a podcast. A few years ago, a year ago, actually, I think, Joe Rogan signed a $100 million exclusivity deal with Spotify that he would only host his podcast on Spotify. Now, the reason for this is Joe Rogan's podcast is the biggest podcast. Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, every episode is heard by 11 or so million people. More people listen to Joe Rogan than listen to any show on Fox or CNN or MSNBC, many of them combined. He's got a massive presence. Uh, the only thing greater than uh, Joe Rogan's presence is one of the major talk radio show hosts out there, whether it's Dave Ramsey or Glenn Beck or uh, really Sean Hannity. They have massive audiences equal to or larger than Joe Rogan. That's it. But of course, of course, the media doesn't cover those because the media only covers what the media is interested in. The media doesn't listen to conservative talk radio, but the media does listen to podcasts. They produce their own podcasts, and many of them are deeply jealous of Joe Rogan's success because they can't get the same traction for their podcast that he has gotten for his podcast. No New York Times or NPR podcast gets as many listens as what Joe Rogan's podcast does. Have you ever noticed the media obsesses about the things where the media underperforms? So much of the mainstream media obsesses about Fox News because they can't get Fox's ratings. They obsess about Joe Rogan because they can't get Joe Rogan's ratings. If if uh, the New York Times or CNN had a talk radio program, then they would start attacking conservative talk radio. But they generally spare conservative talk radio because they're not in that space. But they've gotten into the podcasting space, and so now Joe Rogan is competition. But it's larger than that. Uh, you've got celebrities like Neil Young and, and other musicians you've never heard of who are pulling their music. There's a rumor the Foo Fighters, a band I dearly love, might pull their music from Spotify, all to protest Joe Rogan's audacity to have on people whose views these people disagree with. For those who are unfamiliar with the formatting, and clearly the, the people most outraged by Joe Rogan are in the millions of people who have not listened to him, Rogan has on anybody. He would have on Dr. Fauci. In fact, maybe he should have on Dr. Fauci or Deborah Burks or or someone, uh, Rochelle Walensky from the CDC. Now, you should know his conversations can last two to four hours, but people pay attention. And Rogan will have them on, and they'll talk about all sorts of stuff. In the most controversial case of Lady Hat on Dr. Robert Malone, one of the, the inventors of one of the precursor technologies to the mRNA vaccine. 
And the left is furious. The media is furious. They claim Rogan is sowing disinformation. Rogan, to his credit, uh, with his iPhone, recorded a video that he released and said, I'm not trying to sow misinformation or disinformation. I'm trying to talk to interesting people. I'm sorry if, if they misled, but uh, how am I to know they're interesting people, some of them contrarians, and I'm having, I'll have other people on as well. I'll do better. Cover, cover the broad array. You know, if he didn't cover COVID, he would be covering himself completely, but also they'd find another way to come after Joe Rogan. They don't like him because Joe Rogan is competition. But there's something else here as well I've been thinking about over the weekend for a lot of these people, Neil Young. Uh, I, 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 honest to goodness, I, I didn't know who Neil Young was. He, I assume Neil, the only Neil was Neil Diamond. Uh, and I, I, I'm not, look, I grew up overseas. I, I'm not familiar with his music other than he did some work with Pearl Jam and I've heard some of it. I didn't realize it was him. Uh, but Neil Young wanted his music pulled and these others, but they're not pulling their music from Apple was reminded of of Hannah Arendt's use of the phrase, the banality of evil. She covered the Adolf Eichmann uh, war crimes trial. Eichmann was one of uh, the originators, uh, instigators of planners for the Holocaust. Now, I'm not calling any of these celebrities Nazis. You need to understand me. I'm not implying they're Nazis. I'm not comparing them to the Nazis. You're just going to have to listen to me as we have a little bit of a nuanced conversation here. The closest modern competitor or or, or comparison to the Nazis is the Communist Chinese Party. You know, when Hannah Arendt wrote this phrase, the banality of evil, what she meant, let me just read you. From her reporting for The New Yorker, she eventually turned into a study on Eichmann. I was struck by the manifest shallowness in Eichmann, which made it impossible to trace the uncontestable evil of his deeds to any deeper level of roots or motives. The deeds were monstrous, but the doer, at least the very effective one now on trial, was quite ordinary, commonplace, and neither demonic nor monstrous. She called Adolf Eichmann one of history's literal greatest monsters, terrifyingly normal. He just, he, he went about his work. He, he filled out the forms. He did the paperwork. He did the studies. He observed. He, he asked for things to be done. He put out public policies. It was a all rather ordinary, boring job, but what it was was a great evil. She called it the banality of evil. It's what China's doing. China rounds up the Uyghurs and puts them in internment camps, concentration camps, uses their citizens as slave labor for American companies. It's, it, but it's all rather banal. And in China, it's just building up a profit. They have uh, cheap labor. They can find jobs for people who otherwise wouldn't have jobs. And in so doing, they murder dissidents who might disrupt the system. They eliminate the people who could disrupt the Chinese communist system, particularly the Christians. They're deeply afraid of Christians. And now there are potentially more Christians in China than there are American citizens. And they're under the cover of night worshiping. And China wants to get rid of them because China finds Christianity deeply destabilizing. And to them, it's all rather ordinary. It's it's the banality of evil. It's just, it's their, they've got a system in place. The system works for them. They've got to stamp out the, the resistors to or the impediments to the system to continue to provide jobs at slave labor wages for their citizens and to make products. And eventually it, it puts their products everywhere and makes them a dominant player 
on the global stage, which is where they are now. It's all very banal stuff, but it's evil. And American corporations are profiting off that evil. Apple makes most of its products in China. I, I say this, uh, my microphone is tied into a, uh, a mixer that was made in China, which is connected to my Apple MacBook Pro, which is made in China. Next to me is my Apple iPhone, which is made in China. Most of the products in your house are made in China. Uh, there are a number of people I know because I get angry emails because some of the products I've endorsed are made in China. They get furious with me for criticizing China while supporting products made in China. It's pretty damn impossible to avoid it. And by the way, most of the people I know who religiously obsess about buying products that aren't made in China are some of the most miserable, unhappy people I know. Life's too short to engage in all sorts of boycotts. But at the same time, I do sometimes wonder, am I complicit in the system? Are you? But I do think there's a difference in us being able to buy a product we could not otherwise get at a price point we could otherwise not afford versus someone like Neil Young who's getting paid by Apple. You're not getting paid by Apple. I'm not getting paid by Apple. We can buy a we can buy a computer or a phone that's made in China for a price point we couldn't get it in this country, but we're not getting paid by them. Neil Young is getting paid by Apple. Getting paid by Apple. Apple does a lot of business in China. And Apple, by the way, routinely monitors its plants to make sure they're not profiting off the slave labor. They've had to raise their costs because they've had to raise their labor. They've got to secure, you know, they were for a while and they got called out and had to commit to fixing it. And now they bring in outside auditors, we're to believe, whether they do or not, but they're no Nike. Nike lectures us on human rights in the United States and profits off the slave labor of China. LeBron James is heralded by the American media complex. He refuses to condemn China, pretends there's nothing going on over there while he lectures us, is outraged at COVID denialists and those who won't get vaccines, and yet he's profiting off China. All these people want to shut up Joe Rogan. These are, by the way, the same people who wanted to shut up Tom Cotton for saying it was most likely that this virus came out of a lab. They called him a racist for suggesting that a conspiracy theorist turns out he was right. These are the same people who were perfectly happy calling the virus a Wuhan-originated or Chinese-originated virus until Donald Trump said it was a Chinese virus and then suddenly that was racist. This isn't really about the views they disagree with. Joe Rogan, he's not killing anybody. They say he's complicit in the deaths of others. What about Dr. Fauci? Is Dr. Fauci then, based on that standard, complicit in the deaths of others for allowing the gain-of-function research in China to go forward to assist in getting them the funding to make it happen that led to a, more likely than not, a virus that escaped the wild and now is killing people around the world? Is Dr. Fauci, does he have blood on his hands? If, if Joe Rogan indirectly does by giving a platform to people to talk, does Dr. Fauci for funding the operation? But they love Dr. Fauci. What this is all really about on the media side is competition. They hate that there is a voice they cannot control that is louder than their own and gets more listens. And that should cause some self-reflection, but it doesn't because they view themselves still as monopolistic. 
and their concerns are the concerns of a monopoly that has a potential competitor on the scene. They don't even realize, though, that the competitor has already gotten ahead of them. But they're trying to preserve their monopoly. And it's also a new virus that's on the scene, a virus that particularly impacts the political partisans among us on the left and the right. As you got to know, there are people on the right on the same way, but it seems to be much more virulent on the left. And that is the urge to silence those whose views they disagree with. They can't handle anyone accepting those views. They can't handle anyone acknowledging the legitimacy of the views. They can't handle anyone even considering the views. They can't handle anyone being trusted with the power to allow you to decide whether you believe or not. I mean, Joe Rogan is not there interviewing people, telling people this is the gospel truth. Joe Rogan is allowing his audience the courtesy of believing or not believing and using their own brain, and God help him for that sin of letting people think for themselves. You're not supposed to do that anymore. What I find really funny about all of this is that these people, many of them, like Neil Young, fought the man. When they were growing up, you, you had to be on the on, uh, against power and fight the man. And now they're on the side of the man. If anything, they're they're a, a useful pawn of the man. They've lived long enough to become the villain. And now they hate Joe Rogan for the audacity of having thoughtful, interesting conversations with people and allowing the audience the courtesy of being smart enough to decide whether they agree or not. Actually, at the end of the day, what the problem here is that the media industrial complex and the celebrities of America, the elite, think so little of you, they don't think you can think for yourself. And they're the ones who have been suckered so much into accusing people like Tom Cotton of racism and conspiracy theorizing about the lab leak theory when it turns out so much of what all the supposed conspiracists have said about the virus are true. The Washington Post today has a story. Turns out COVID might be seasonal and based on climate. It's peaks and valleys. Six months ago when Ron DeSantis said that, the Washington Post attacked him for saying something that wasn't scientifically proven. Actually, it was. They just didn't believe it at the time. But somehow, all the people who point this stuff out and allow in interesting views that may be wrong, but you could decide for yourself, they're the bad guys. This is going to further destabilize, not Joe Rogan, but the press. Yes, you can. You sure can. And if you text the word show to 33777, you can get links to the podcast and the daily email. Now, uh, for those of you in, in Georgia, I got a ton of stations in Georgia and a uh, Alliance for Children and Education is working to get House Bill 999 in Georgia passed. That is the first major school choice initiative in the state of Georgia that has a chance of passage. It actually has bipartisan support across racial lines in Georgia. It would allow kids in public school to get a $6,000 state credit on the money the state funds to the kids, which would help subsidize the cost of a private education. Wouldn't completely pay for it, but would significantly help subsidize it. And man, the left is apparently already going to town in Georgia including trying to scare people about this is actually a way to fund illegal immigrants in private schools. All you got to do is think about that. Um, 
the 6000 wouldn't cover the complete cost, so the illegal immigrant parent is going to cough up the money for the rest of it, and the private school is going to let them in? How many do you really think are going to take advantage of that? Good Lord. People, the scare scenarios. Uh, and the left is also out there saying, if you let them in, we'll regulate your private school. You should kill this bill. It fear tactics. They're already engaged in the fear tactics, skill, school choice in Georgia. You should support it. It's a great measure. If you text the word ACTION, to 55444. Text the word ACTION to 55444 if you live in Georgia. You'll get a link back to the uh, Alliance for Children and Education encouraging support for school choice in Georgia. This again, this is the first time school choice in Georgia has a real chance of passing. The author of the legislation, Wes Cantrell, who's a friend of mine, He's built a bipartisan coalition to get this passed. It's a great piece of legislation. It's about to go to the committee process. If you're upset, if you you think it needs tweaks, you can go to the committee and get them to tweak it instead of trying to sabotage it. Great measure. Again, text the word ACTION to 55444. And uh, I I hope they pass it in Georgia. Republicans in every state should be advancing school choice. Because the Democrats despise it so much, they'll try to yank it away. And the parents will yank the Democrats out of power for doing so. That's why they're pulling out the stops. I mean, they're lying to people already about this legislation. It's only just been introduced, and they're running the full circle of fear and scare tactics because they know it will totally disrupt and undermine the powers of the teachers' unions around the country. Even in states like Georgia, they don't have strong teachers' unions. They still have left-wing activist groups, and this will completely destabilize and undermine them and give kids a great education. Text ACTION to 55444. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Noah, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi. Hi there. There you go. I had to take you off speakerphone. That's all right. Um, yeah, so you were talking, I had to take you off speakerphone, uh, but you were talking about China earlier, and I'm, I just wanted to, to weigh in on that. Um, I've been developing product for people for about 25 years. Most of my work is with entrepreneurs, uh, startups, you know, small companies, and I think the difficulty that we have is not even so much that it's cheaper to make stuff in China which it usually is, it's really finding people with capacity that will work with small companies. Like I can, I can work with people in China to make 5,000 of something. It's very hard to find that domestically. I mean, except for, you know, a plastic widget or a piece of metal that you can do. But if you're doing a, you know, a startup launch, it's really hard to put all those pieces together in the U S you know, it's it's interesting you say this. You're you're not the first person to have this conversation with me. Um, that a- around the country, you've got different places that have experimented with with quote unquote incubators for uh, small business, and inevitably, there comes a point in time where in that incubator, they they don't have the ability in this country to be able to to get up and going. I was actually talking to a guy the other day who he handmade. Smokers, offset smokers uh, that use wood, not not like the standard pellet grills uh, that, that a lot of people are buying now. Sure. And he has been forever hand making those things. And 
he's caught on traction and now he's having to outsource and and there is no one in this country that he can find who can make them but he was able to find someone in china who is able to make them up to his specs exactly as he wants them and they've been consistent in the church in the build quality and he he didn't want to outsource to china he just couldn't find anybody here to do yeah. it I have this conversation probably once a week with my clients. And, you know, in China, you know, I can make one phone call or really one email to people that I've known for years, and we can put all that together. The client's going to get it. It's going to be on a, on a pallet, all is boxed up. It's ready to sell when it gets here. But in the U.S., you have to piecemeal it. You have to go find someone to make your metal part. You have to go find someone to make your box. You have to go find someone to make this, that, and the other. Then you've got to play general contractor to put it all together, and that that's, that gets really expensive, not just in money, but in time. And then when something's wrong, it's always something wrong in manufacturing. Who do you point the finger at? You know, no one wants to take responsibility. Right. But when you have a single source, you know, they take responsibility. I had, had a client that, you know, they got all the product. They got a shipment of product in, you know, last year sometime. That was wrong. There was a problem. They made a mistake. So the fact is like, oh. Okay, we're going to own it. We're going to put a new, a new shipment in the in the you know on the, on the boat to you right now. And I think that's really the weakness we have in the U.S. with manufacturing, or a weakness I should say, is there's just not that um, ecosystem to help small companies get started. Now, of course, if you're Apple, you got a billion dollars. You can open right. a plant in Indiana to make your microchips. But if you're you know, a nurse that you've got this great new idea to, to help with wound infection and, and, you know, you need to get 5,000 on the market to prove it out so that you can grow your business. Nobody's going to help you with that. And there's yeah. no, you can't go out and build a factory like that. that that's and that's it, so well frankly, said. I've been looking, I've been looking for 25 years for someone that can step up and say, Hey, I'm ready to do this. And frankly, if you're out there and you're listening Please <laughs> give us yeah. a call. I've been looking for you for a long time. Well, and, 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 you I have know, a lot and, of clients that want to make stuff in the U.S. and we just can't find, we just can't put all the puzzle pieces together. It, it, it's hard. I, the conversation you and I are having right now is a conversation I've had repeatedly with people, and and they get frustrated with those who say, "Well, I'm not going to buy your product because it's made in China and I'm boycotting China." And, and everybody understands. Right. The frustration and and we get it. China is is not really our competitor now. It is is becoming an enemy. We should find other places. And there are countries stepping up. India stepping up. Uh, Korea stepping up. Brazil stepping up. But they're not where China is yet. They, and they essentially, they're, they're twenty asking, years behind China in yeah. terms of capacity. And and so you got people saying, well, you go out of business because. Uh, if you if you made your product here, I wouldn't buy it because it was too expensive. But I won't buy it because it's made in China. There's right. nowhere else can make your product. And, and people are that binary about it who don't actually understand the world we live in, and and they just seem to think that we have this uh, American technological manufacturing infrastructure to be able to flip a switch and bring it all here, and we don't. No, no, we don't. And so many yeah you know, people. Yeah, people want to make stuff here, and it's it's and they they tell me I want to create American jobs, and I'm like, okay, let's do that, but you're not going to create any jobs if you don't launch your business, and you're not going to launch your business if you have to piece the meal this together. Let's get you started, let's grow your company, and then at some point maybe you can build your own factory here, maybe you can buy all the equipment, then you can create the jobs you want to you want to create. Yeah, I just so it, 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 let let's put you in in King for a day land. You're king for a day. Uh, you want to fix the situation here. What what policies do you think should be pursued 
either by the private sector or the public sector to be able to get us back to a point where we can do this? Well, I, I see a lot of public-private partnerships. Uh, you know, they, they do these every now and then. They'll do like a like you said, incubators, like there, there's one that they've talked about for years between Athens and Atlanta, and mm-hmm. it's going to go in and we're going to support startups, but then it gets started. And, Oh, we're only supporting like the, the $10 million startups. And we're only doing this, that, and the other. If we really want to grow companies that start really at, at point zero all, and grow them into big companies, we need to build, we need to go in and set up that incubator space. That's got, the plastic molder and, and, the, and the metal fabricator and the rubber fabricator and the assembly house all together so that someone doesn't have to go, you know, pick, you know, find a company in Louisiana to do one thing and Idaho to do something else and Montana to do something else. And, you, you know, it's just it's just a nightmare right now. Yeah, it really is. Listen, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. No, I'm glad you called in about this. I really am. Well, it's 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 <laughs> I fight this battle every day, so I'm glad <laughs> glad you're talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Jerry, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, Eric. I, I kind of want to have a counter-argument to what you're saying with China. Um, as the old saying says, says uh, the pyramids are a great thing to build when you've got an unlimited supply of free labor. Right. And the reason China does what they do is because there are no rules and regulations over there. Pollution-wise, environmental, work ethics, work environments, the whole nine yards. Um there's, I guess there's a dignity and respect for things being built. And so that's the only reason it's done over in China. There's no other reason other than there's some efficient um, uh, first world country. That's just not the case. I just want to throw that out there. I know you well, probably believe it, that. I know the couple did as well. Yeah, look, yeah, I mean, China is able to put together cheap labor. But to, to Noah's point, uh, he is right in that if you want to try to find, if you want to build a product in this country, in many cases, you've got to go through multiple vendors and then you've got to yourself put it all together. In China, you can go to one company that has all the different parts together so they can build it very efficiently, very quickly uh, to your quality. Like, for example, uh, speaking of this is this is just in my wheelhouse these days. Uh, so I've, I've got a Rectech um, and Rectech pellet grill and Traeger pellet grills are manufactured and completely put together in China and they're brought back here. They can be sold very quickly and they are, uh, they, they are fairly cheap and fairly common. You can get them at, at your local big box store. Uh, the Rectex, uh, so I've got a Rectex. They're made in Augusta, Georgia. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, they're a pellet grill. And so you dump uh, wood pellets in the back, uh, make sure you get just full hardwood pellets. And there's an auger that controls, you set the temperature and controls the temperature. Now, for those of you who are rolling your head at me, I've had an offset wood smoker. I have had a big green egg. I had my big green egg for a very long time, more than 10 years, and I still have my big green egg. But my gosh, the ability to turn on my pellet grill with my phone and just have it control the temperature and I never have to worry about it. I don't have to get it up to speed. It's efficient, right? I've mastered barbecue on the offset. I've mastered barbecue on the big green egg. Now I just want quick and convenient, and the pellet grill is. I have a real grill for real grilling. The pellet grills can't get hot enough. They claim they can. They can't. The Rectech gets hotter than the Traeger, and even it, uh, I'm just, I would rather have my real grill. But for, for smoking, far prefer the Rectech to the Traeger because the Rectech, like the Traeger, is manufactured in China. But with Rectech, they manufacture the computer controller and everything else that that actually controls the machine here. But also, 
They us, you, they bring the parts back here and do it here. Traeger builds everything in China. And by the way, their metal and fabricating is of an inferior quality to the Rectech. The Rectech has a thicker level of steel, and so it's better insulated. Uh, it, it's more durable. You can leave it outside for longer. The Rectech or the the Traeger eventually is gonna gonna fall apart in a way the Rectech won't because of its build quality, because of the the measure of steel, because of the the components it builds its computer here in this country. Uh, ironically, it's one thing the Chinese aren't great at unless you're in a in a uh, position like Apple to control everything. They're not as good at putting together the electronic components as, as someone here is. So Rectech does that here. But more of you are familiar with the Traeger than the Rectech. Why? Because you can go to your local hardware store or big box store and you can buy a fully assembled Traeger and take it home and get it going. And you may have to throw it away in two or three years, but you can get it because of the supply chain in China. It's cheaper. Don't fault companies. It, it's it, If you want a company that's employing Americans, would you rather a company go out of business and every American lose their job? Or would you rather the company say, hey, I've got a great product idea, but I've got to outsource it to China to make it affordable for people to buy in the United States? What's your trade-off? Put people out of work, pay them unemployment benefits. Maybe they'll find a new job somewhere and deprive everyone of this product or let them build it in China, maybe build up their capacity so they can import home and start building it here over time. I, I just, I, I, I understand the concerns. I share the concerns about building stuff in China. I totally, totally get those concerns. I feel guilty sometimes when I think about it uh, because you and I both need to understand and be aware of what China actually does. But at the same time, you and I, nor anyone else in this country, can affordably get a lot of products unless they're manufactured abroad. What we as a country should be doing is helping India and South Korea and Brazil and other countries that are ramping up their capacity. We should be incentivizing and encouraging American companies to go there instead of China. It's totally within our ability to do that. But the government as a policy is not. And unless the government is willing to get involved and do this, we're going to be stuck with the situation in China until a war comes, and then we're going to have to rethink things out. And I suspect war is coming within the next decade in some capacity with China, and it's probably not going to go well for us because we've gotten soft at all. But this, this is a real problem, and I'm glad Noah called in um, to, to talk about it because I don't know that most Americans understand, and I've, I've got a lot of friends of mine who went to engineering school who've had this, this problem. In fact, when I was in college, I went to Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, and the engineering school – the, the students, when they were learning CAD design and development and, and biomechanical engineering and the like, would oftentimes get jobs with doctors who were also inventors who wanted to invent products that they the students would help design and develop as part of their education and part of their learning. It was a great idea. And I know a lot of people who they developed great ideas for medicine or for practical engineering. And then when they turned around to try to find some place in this country to manufacture it, they could not. They didn't have the tools. They didn't have the machining. They didn't have the setup. They didn't have the ability to keep costs down. And they had to go overseas. And we got a lot of medical advancements in this country because we had a place for them to go. And I'm, I'm not going to go to the doctor and say, well, I don't want the, the surgery because the tools you're going to use are made in China. They're not made in the United States. Now, part of the problem is this country as well has not treated as national security issue for medicines and healthcare products to be made in this country. We've been willing to outsource for cheap to China and stuff like that, and I don't think we should. 
but we got to be mindful that it's far more complex than a lot of people want to give it for a lot of people. Oh, made in China, not going to deal with it. Well, then you're never going to have a product like it because every single product like it is made there. It's very hard to find ones that aren't. We should, but we need the government to actually put its mind to it and say, hey, we're going to encourage American companies to go to Brazil. It's closer. The government is more friendly to us. They're not communist, and we will help them get up to speed. And they've got a wicked, sharp uh, group of people down there who can do this. But unless the American government gets involved, it's real hard for American private companies to do it unless they're a company like Apple, which is itself doing it with its own money. It just hasn't gotten there yet. Now, I want to tell you about Eden Pure, the Eden Pure air purifier, the thunderstorm. It's a fantastic product. It really does deodorize the house. It doesn't mask the odors. It eliminates the odors. It also gets rid of the bacteria in the mildew, the mold that's floating around your house. And it's filterless. You don't have to get a filter for it. You don't have to get a con- continuous subscription. You just wipe it out on occasion. It works. And if you want it, you can get three of them right now for less than $200, a fantastic price point. In fact, you get a $200 savings. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You click on Eric Erickson. You'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. Put it in your cart. And at checkout, put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. That's it. You will save $200. You'll get all three of them for less than $200, and you'll get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Remember, if you're in Georgia on the School Choice Initiative, uh, uh, text the word ACTION to 55444. Text the word ACTION to 55444, and you'll get a link back from, I think it's the Alliance for Children and Education. Um, Corey Angelus, it's his group, um, and they are fighting for the school choice bill in Georgia. So if you're there, and if you're not in Georgia, and you're wondering why don't I do that for you, well, if if something like that comes up in your state, let me know, uh, because I am happy. Happy, happy, happy to help in, in all states as well. It's one of the things I like to do is help activists get involved in their state politics and their federal politics. Uh, by the way, for those of you in Cincinnati, I have a, a large number of listeners in Cincinnati. I'm happy for you. Uh, Joe Burrow uh, was the guy who got LSU back to the national championship, and now he's done it for you guys. And I'm pulling for Cincinnati. Listen, I got to. First of all, I'm totally confused by the Chargers and, and the Rams. I, they got the same colors. They're in the same uh, stadium. I don't I don't get it. That It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, God bless the Rams uh, and, and staff, all of it. Good for them. I'm happy for them, but being from Louisiana, Joe Burrow, I just think, is, is the next great NFL quarterback. And so I got to refer him, but the game is going to be amazing. You're going to have two new kind of flown under the radar quarterbacks. And, you know, for Stafford, leaving the Lions, gosh, uh, I, I poor old, poor old Detroit. Nonetheless, I digress. I, I got a comment for a moment on people's lack of humor. So for those of you who don't know, I've been working on my PhD. And I was at a, a store near my home the other day, and I saw it, it was a gift card. Or not a gift card. It was like a, a, a congratulations note. And it said, uh, PhD, an academic that has learned more and more about less and less until they know everything about nothing. I thought it was kind of funny. I put it on Instagram at E.W. Erickson. 
my gosh, the number of humorless people. You know, there is a stereotype of PhDs are, are fairly humorless about their degree. And uh, EDDs, the, the doctorates of education, the Jill Bidens of the world are even more super serious about their degree. And you better call them doctor or else. And uh, talk about proving the stereotype. The, the people who commented, I just don't find this very funny. We need more PhDs. It's taken me a long time to work on my PhD. How dare you cast dispersions on those of us who have taken the time to work on our PhD? Like me? Me? Sometimes you could just lighten up and find it very funny. A PhD, an academic that has learned, and by the way, it should be who, an academic who has learned more and more about less and less until they know everything about nothing. If you can't laugh at that, I'm sorry, you really are fitting into the stereotype. Just relax. Not everything's an insult. Some of it's funny. Sometimes you play deform and you don't even realize it. When we come back, the Donald Trump speech this weekend, yes, we got to talk about what Trump said, but more importantly, who got outraged about it. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business. you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are. If you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.